Today, Lord, we come and we honor and acknowledge our great need for you. We thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have to gather in this place, to lift up, to magnify, and to glory in the Savior of our soul. We pray that those that don't know you will come to know you this day through the preached word of God. We pray that you will do a work in the inside of us that will change us, deliver us from bondage, deliver us from our afflictions and addictions, deliver us from our own way of thinking. We pray today that our minds will be open to everything that, God, you have for us, that we won't hinder the move of the Spirit of God, but that we will, Lord, be open, that we will be your representatives in this time, at this time, and in this place. We do love you. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read the, verse, the first 20 verses. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. And then Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 24 as, I'm going to read Acts, but this for the memorization verse. It's going to be a little tough one, but I'm going to give you Colossians, which is one we're reading today. Colossians 1, 24 through 27 is a memorization verse. <laughs> Sister Carol's been on vacation, and um, she, she, got stuck, she, got, she got stuck three extra days in Mississippi. She'll be back, though. She'll be back. <laughs> She'll be back. Don't. That's okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. That's where we're going to begin reading. Your memorization verses are going to be Colossians. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously, generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came down to him, who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, who is, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him and gone had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or, un or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As a title, I have given, and please write this down, Cornelius breaking the mold wide open. Cornelius breaking the mold wide open. There is a consistent battle in many groups of individuals and religions today to try to give themselves special recognition and importance. While the Jewish people were chosen by God, not because of any righteousness of their own, but because of God's own divine will, they extended themselves beyond their calling. Acts chapter 10 is the major turning point in the course of God's redemptive work. This chapter has been stated to be the most important chapter in the book of Acts, if not one of the most important chapters in the Bible. God's mystery of what he was doing in redemptive history in the plan of salvation is seen in this chapter. In an instant, all the details of God's dietary plan is changed, even though food is not the emphasis in this chapter, but people are. God's almost exclusive work with the Jewish nation and his ultimate plan comes to fruition in this chapter. Christ's death brings into focus the inclusion of the Gentiles, you and me, and what was going to be the major thrust of God's work in the world. Point one, if you're writing it down, and please do, a Gentile called by God. A Gentile called by God. There are at least two places called Caesarea. But this Caesarea was the one that had been rebuilt by Herod the Great in honor of Caesar. It was an important political city, and it was located on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It was about 35 miles from the city of Joppa where Peter was. While Jews lived in this place, one must remember that the Romans were the world leaders at this time, and they had soldiers stationed in Caesarea. Cornelius, a centurion, 
And this word basically means it has at least two meanings. But the word centurion means that this was a person over at least a hundred soldiers. But in this case regarding Cornelius, it also means that it was a person who had a high rank according to Dr. R.C. Sproul. Not only was he a man that had rank and recognition and was a leader, he is noted for his devotion and love for God. As a result of him accepting this God of the Jews, as, was, as what God was often called, he was called God of the Jews, he rejected all of the other gods that Rome would worship and any of the Greek gods. Right. Now this was unusual for a Roman soldier, a Roman leader, a centurion. This would be quite unusual. He rejected the gods of this place and worshipped the one God Amen. that the Jews worshipped. He followed their laws there was one thing that basically they didn't do, and that was circumcision. But he worshipped God. From what we know of him, he followed God and he gave to the poor. And in fact, this Cornelius, Cornelius was recognized by the angel of God, not only for his prayer, but for his giving yes. to the poor. Yes. His deeds are noted by the angel that God sends to him. How so interesting that this man faithfully serves God and yet is considered to be unclean by those who are said to be chosen by God. God is doing a work this, in this chapter that is breaking open the mold of what the tradition and thought was of the day. Now the angel that came to Cornelius, you'll note that Cornelius says, Yes, Lord, when he is called. Not long ago, we noted that when Paul, at the time his name was Saul, was on his way to Damascus, when the Lord came at noon, the Bible says that Saul said, Yes, Lord. Now, when Saul said that word, Yes, Lord, it was saying not just the common greeting or the one that referenced that, was that, that person that was a ruler, but he recognized that it was God himself that was calling him. Amen. That is the case that we're dealing with even with Cornelius. Amen. He recognizes that it is God and he says, yes, Lord. Let me also say this. You will also note that when you see people that, uh, those that are, you know, chandlers or, you know, they, they, those that, that are spiritists and, and, and palm readers, they are oftentimes seeking spirits. But when you note what you note about God's servants, you will note that that's not what they do. God actually comes to them. So people that are into div divination and looking to summon spirits, you'll note that that's not anything that God's servants did. But when God came on the scene, he presented to them what he wanted to know. That's the case that's even happening here with Cornelius. Cornelius, a man that was considered to be unclean, gets a visit by the angel of God with the message. And the Lord says to him, Cornelius, two things I want you to know. 
Your prayers have been answered. And God sees your giving to the poor. What we sometimes do in obscurity or sometimes we do without thinking that it's being recognized. If God sees it, Amen. that's all that matters. Amen. We sometimes look to see what are people saying and, and what recognition am I going to get. But if God is not pleased, it doesn't matter what other people might say or think. It really matters what God says. God acknowledges Cornelius and says, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving has been duly noted. Now, I need to say something here, and that is what God gives you in regards to understanding, he expects you to use that and not complain about what you don't yet have. There are many people today that complain and say, I can't serve or I won't do because I don't yet have this. That's not what God has called you to do. God has called you to worship him based on what he's given you and the knowledge that he has given you. You get more revelation as you are obedient to the word of God. Yes, indeed. In this situation that we're dealing with with Cornelius, clearly the angel could have told him what, he, what the Lord had wanted him to have and what the Lord wanted him to know. But the Lord told the angel, you go and tell him that I've heard his prayers and that his giving has been noted. But I want him to be to send men to Joppa to call Peter. When the Lord says that, Cornelius, your prayers have been answered. You ought to remember that when the temple was in full operation, there was incense that always would burn in the temple of the course. And it was going up as a memorial to the Lord, and it was oftentimes when the sacrifice was made, the killing of that bull and the fire that was placed or the sheep, and when that offering ascended, the smoke would go up along with the incense, and it became a sweet, sweat-smelling aroma to the Lord, and he accepted the gift that was presented to him. That's the comparison that God says of his prayer. Your, your prayers have ascended up, and I have smelled and I've seen and I've heard your prayers and I am well pleased. In his giving and his offering to the Lord, God comes to a Gentile that has not even become a part yet of what God was fully doing. We saw glimpses and see glimpses in the Old and New Testament. But God is about to break open and show the mystery of what he was doing all along. And so he comes to this Gentile. Not only is he worshiping, but his family is worshipers of the almighty God. Some prayers today are not being answered because there is disobedience to already revealed and known truth. God has used and chosen, has chosen people to use to be the ones to communicate his word. When we look at Jesus coming on the scene, God dispatched the angels. When Christ came, God said, ah, I'm having my angels do this. But when you look throughout scriptures, it was always the prophets, the priests, the, the leaders. God always had the, their judges. He had people that would go to represent his word yes, yes. and to give the word of God. And if you didn't hear them, you didn't hear God. 
and then would suffer the consequence. God tells Cornelius, now I want you to send for Peter. Now I want you to note carefully, God didn't tell him all of the information. He told him, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have come up. I've heard them. I've seen your giving. Now send for Peter. That's what he was told. And the Bible says that he immediately called two of his servants. And a devout soldier. Do, do we see this? Do we see what God is doing? Do we see the obedience? I can see why God was pleased with Cornelius. He didn't even have all the information, and yet he immediately obeyed. Because when we begin to do what God says, God then reveals and gives more truth. You don't open the Bible and say, oh, I open the Bible, I understand everything there is to know. I can now close it. No. Even when you begin to read certain things, everything does not, does not become clear as soon as you begin to read it. There's things that when we begin to read the word of God, God begins to unveil and to reveal to us what his word is saying. And we begin to read and we begin to oh, I, I didn't see that before. A passage that you may have been reading all your life, you can see things that you've never saw before. has a whole new meaning. And yet, people will say, I don't understand, therefore I'm not going any deeper. That's a trick of the enemy. Yet this man... He says, servants, come. I need you to go and call. Now, understand, the Simon that was in Joppa, there were two. And the angel said, now, there's a Simon whose surname, who's also known by Peter. Amen. So when you go to Simon's house, be sure to call for Peter. God gave explicit directions. Do you not know that there's obedience and the answer to some of your prayers is simply through the obedience of what God says to do? If you are looking for some things and, and you're not getting answers or it doesn't, you don't quite know, evaluate your life. Are you doing what God says to do? Are you, are you waiting for an answer from God? Waiting just does not, does not just simply mean I am sitting back doing nothing, but waiting means I am doing faithfully what God has still called me to do while I'm waiting for the answer to come. We don't sit and stop and I'm not going no further. I'm going to sit here and wait till my change comes. <laughs> you see, God's will is going to be accomplished with or without you. That's who God is. When God says that his word would not return void, not one, not one jot, not tittle. When Pastor Manuel said the other day that when you look at the Hebrew, it was very important, those little dots, it meant something. That's what God had in mind when he said not even one small little dot would pass. My word is going to be complete. It's going to be accomplished. It's going to accomplish what I've said it to do. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. Today, people are building on a very shaky and unstable foundation. It is the eternal word of God that is going to last. And your obedience to, to that word will determine what God will do in and through your very life. You see... God's divine plan, there are other parts that you need to know are being affected as you do your part. 
While God was dealing with Cornelius over in Caesarea, the Lord was about to deal with Peter over in Joppa. And so while Cornelius has received this word from God and begins his work, the Bible then says then that Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And what I'm going to do here, I'm going to skip a few points and just go to point number two. And write this down. I want you to remember point number one. And that was Cornelius, a Gentile, called by God. Point number two is an apostle rebuked by God. God has a plan that often disrupts and upsets, upsets what our plans and thinking is. First, we note that Peter is a man of prayer. He's a man that prayed constantly and continuously. He was consistent in his praying. It was at the time of prayer that he received a vision from the Lord. You see, a lot of things happen when a person is in prayer. No prayer, not a lot of happening. In prayer, a lot of happening. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, God is moved when you begin to pray. What you don't see does not take anything away from what God is already doing. Your eyes just have not been opened yet to see all that God is doing and is going to do. At noon, he goes up to the house. Now, there were different part times of the day where prayer was offered or where people would go to prayer. There was noon and there was which was called the sixth hour. And then there was three o'clock, which was called the ninth hour. We find Peter going to prayer up on the rooftop. Now, the rooftops in these places were flat. And so when a person would go up on the roof, it was a place where oftentimes people would gather. And, and, and so Peter goes there to spend time with the Lord while the meal is being prepared in the house. Now, I want you to note the timing of God. The men, the men that Cornelius sends, that the Lord had told him to send, these three are now approaching the city at noon. And it is at this time that Peter is upon the roof praying that he, and when he falls into a trance. And while there upon this roof, the Lord lets down this sheet. Now this sheet, when you think about it, is actually compared to a sail on a sailboat. You know when those sails are upon the sailboat, that's kind of the description that you can think about. And it is being let down from heaven by the four corners. And on this sheet, and in this sheet, as it unfolds, are all types of animals, reptiles, that a Jewish person would dare not eat. Now, it was part of the dietary law that God had called his people to abide by. It was something in which the Lord had, had, had set in place, and it was something that God had separated his people for, and it was a diet that yet reflected even still God's glory. It represented who God was. However, note carefully, it was not who God was. Food is not who God is. God is not concerned so much about food. He's concerned about people. But he used the animals in order to illustrate and to get his point across. When this sheet was let down, the Bible says that God says, now, Peter, I want you to get up to kill and eat. 
Now, mind you, Peter was already hungry. And the word came for him to get up to kill and to eat something that had never entered his mouth before. And Peter said, never, Lord, have I eaten anything unclean. And the word of God says, Peter, don't you call anything unclean that I've cleaned. Now, we need to get this. I want to take you back to the Old Testament. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and Belteshazzar, and Azariah, and, and you, you remember those guys, the three Hebrew boys, and I don't remember all their names, the Hebrew names I, right now. I know Azariah is one of them. <laughs> but we know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they went to Babylon, which was over about 500 miles from Jerusalem, they had to travel there. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar had gone to Jerusalem and had taken captive on different occasions. This was, I believe, let's say the third invasion. 586 B.C., there was one at 605, 597, I believe. No, 605, 597, and 586, I believe it was, for Babylon, when they had gone in. Now, on this journey... Daniel and his friends were taken captive, not because they had done anything wrong, but because God had a plan for them in Babylon. But it was at this time when the king says, I want you, my servant, to feed them what comes from my table. And Daniel said, we can't eat the king's food. We need to eat the food based on our own diet that God has given us. I can't eat this. And the servant says, I I'm afraid of my king that if you're looking different than all the others, he's going to have my head. You could be killed too if you disobey this king. Daniel said, would you just test us for 10 days? But it was a different soldier that actually allowed them to have their own diet. It was important that, and they were recognized and honored for their willingness to adhere to God, even in a foreign land, based on their diet, and God honored them. So what they refused to eat, God comes along and tells Peter, now you get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, never have I eaten anything not kosher. Anything that's been unclean, these I can't do it. God says, and this happened three times. And the sheet was taken back up to heaven. And the Lord did not explain to Peter what it was all about. The Bible says that Peter was there pondering what the meaning of this vision was. And then a word came to, God, came to Peter from God. Peter, three men are down below stairs looking for you. I've sent them. Don't neglect and going. I want you to go. I've sent them. Go. Why is this important? Because Peter would not have gone. Because they were Gentiles. You couldn't go into the Gentile house, a house that's unclean. You'd be unclean. That was a thought. So Peter would not more than likely have gone, but it's an interesting note. You've got to look carefully at this. 
right before we hit chapter 10, there was a passage that says that Peter stayed at the person's house, at a person's house by the name of Simon, who was a tanner. Now, what's a tanner? It's a person that, takes, that, that deals with dead animals. Peter is in the house of a Gentile already. You see the setup, how God is already orchestrating this? He's already at a tanner's house. He wouldn't be there. But the Lord has him there because God's got a plan. God is already working. That's the tanner. And the Jewish people, they couldn't, they couldn't be around the dead. They couldn't be around in a person's house that dealt with dead things. And so the Lord says, Peter, I want you to go. Now, we're not going to finish today. We're going to come back and finish it next time. <laughs> it is the opening of the eyes that God is doing in Peter's life. It, is, it took a rebuke by God of his apostle. Now, remember, this is the same Peter that healed the men at the gate called beautiful and preached sermons and, 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 and was powerful that called Ananias and Sapphira to give account for their lying to the church and said that your lying is going to result basically in your death. He died. This is the same powerful Peter that when he prayed, things happened, God moved, and the same God that is rebuking Peter. Said, Don't you dare call anything unclean that I have cleaned. Being clean comes from a work that only God can do. So here, Gentiles, that were considered and was outside of the call of God, outside of what God was, what God was initially doing in regards to the Old Testament. He was only focusing on the Jewish people, but his ultimate plan, the mystery, was always to use the Jewish people to help bring the Gentiles to himself. The mystery of God that was hidden in the Old Testament that people didn't see and realize. Where God had called these people unto himself that somehow they took pride in because they were called to say, not only are we now special, you are dirty. God says, no, it wasn't because of your own righteousness. It was because of what I was doing. When black people, white people, Asians, or any human began to look down on another group simply because of color, it's not of God, and it is something that God hates. When I, when I hear Muslims or certain groups calling out and saying, calling people evil because of their color, I'm saying, God, they don't understand. When I look at other people trying, to, trying to, to mess over and to abuse based on color, I recognize that they don't understand who God is. People have perpetrated a lot of evil and have called it a lot of different things, but it is evil and it is sin. When God made human beings, he made human beings. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm blessing this color and I'm going to bless that color. He blessed humans. He died for humans. Amen. Yes. And when one group begins to say, 
You can't be saved because you don't come from the right stock. <laughs> they don't recognize and realize who God is. To say that Gentiles cannot be saved, that you've got to go through all of these, God says, don't call anything unclean that I've cleaned. God was orchestrating all through this chapter and preparing Peter and the others that we will see what he was doing all along. We're going to see how Peter had to give an answer to why he would even go with these men and appear. Why did you go into those Gentiles' home? But when you hear what God did, they can say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Only God could orchestrate the events that took place in this word. You see, when we look at what God is doing and you don't do your part, this part over here is affected. When you say, it's only me, it don't make a difference. I don't make a difference to nobody. You fail to see how you play into the larger picture of what God is doing. When you devalue the gift that God has placed in you, and you go bury and hide your gift, you are affecting an area over here that God is wanting to affect with you. And so he has to find somebody else or another situation to accomplish his will. It is going to be accomplished. But the blessing that God may have had for you might just bypass you because you're not faithful in carrying out what God has said. We cannot... <laughs> Expect to succeed if God is not honored and glorified. If God's word is not obeyed, you can't succeed. Success is not based on your bank account. Success is not based on your five Lincolns. Cars. Okay. <laughs> Success is based on obedience to God's word, even when the world is saying something completely different. I've yet to see the righteous forsaken. In this message, as we come to a conclusion, it is obedience that opens the path for more revelation and the blessings of God. It is obedience that opens the path for more revelation and the blessings of God. Next week, we will continue with the mystery of God and what he was doing all along to include the Gentiles. Hallelujah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want you to bow your head as we pray. Lord, in this place today, there are people that have felt unworthy of your love and unworthy of your grace and unworthy of salvation because they felt that they didn't measure up. And Lord, we don't. And that's why we need your grace and your mercy because when you supply your grace and mercy, Lord, then that allows us to be able to experience, to be able to benefit from God all that you are doing. We can't save ourselves. We can't even come to you on our own.
It's the Lord that must call us and draw us to himself. It's even you that gives us the ability to even respond. And Lord, we thank you for that. That it's by your grace that we are saved. And today we are grateful that we are included as Gentiles into the family of God. We as outsiders have been grafted in. And Lord, we thank you today that you have allowed us to even be able to benefit and to be able to respond, to have the right mind to respond. We're grateful today. May we not put off the wonderful plan of salvation. May we not put off what God you have for us. May we recognize that it's through obedience and being obedient to what we have now in order to receive more revelation. More revelation will come, but it's through obedience of God's word. We do thank you, Lord, and we love you. We honor you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.